Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good Thursday morning, everyone. Doug Farrar, editor of the Touchdown Wear website on the USA Today Sports Media Group. And as always, Mark Schofield, our five-tool guy. Mark, week three, here it comes. Week three, um, the season just takes on that sort of like life of its own, right? Like once we get into week one, it just like steamrolls through. Like it goes so fast. Speaking of steamroll. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good segue. Davis Mills. It's good not, luck, Davis. It's not his fault. Um, no, it's not his. I would have loved to have seen Tyrod Taylor against Carolina's defense because Tyrod's been playing his butt off. Now he's hurt. Yep. Poor Tyrod. He has like the worst luck. He's like the Ted McGinley of quarterbacks. Just um, so Davis Mills against the Panthers defense. And I took a deep dive on Carolina's defense. I talked to Cody Alexander, who when I did the match game three parter in 2018, um, I was talking to Chris Brown, smart football, who everyone knows and is awesome about this whole idea I had of match coverage. And he said, well, if you want to talk about college concepts, Cody Alexander is your guy. And yeah. of course we know that to be true. Uh, Cody is a uh, high school coach in Texas runs matchquarters.com, which if you want to know about how college defenses work and how they're stemming up to the pros, Cody's your guy. And Cody was telling me then about how homogenous NFL defenses tend to be. And he said that at some point it's, you know, if it, it, it Dave Aranda, Kirby smart, one of these guys is going to come up from college and match the new idea of taking college offensive concepts and, and taking them, which is going on since like 2005 and someone's going to do it on defense. And that has now happened. And it's Phil Stone. Yep. And um, this, this defense through, I mean, <laughs> Jameis Winston had five touchdowns and no interceptions against the Packers in week one. And it, so it turns out that's a Packers thing. We're going to talk about that later because their defense is awful. And then he runs into the Panthers defense and he looks like old Jameis. And that's not Jameis's fault. It's not Davis Mills's fault. It's anyone playing Carolina's defense now is in for a three-hour cavalcade of ass whippings. And it's – it's. I did a piece last year because Brandon Staley when was the Rams D.C., now the Chargers head coach, was talking about tying fronts to coverage. And he does that brilliantly. Todd Bowles does that brilliantly. There are guys who understand that concept. Well, if you're, if you're calling defense in the Big 12, you had damn well better do that. Right. Snow is so good at that. There are elements of Carolina's defense right now, and I wrote a long piece on it. Um, I could do a whole hour on just that because it's so fascinating. But there are elements of – Cody brought up Georgia's defense, which I was looking at cut-ups this morning on Coach Vass's Patreon thing, The you know his film library, which is awesome on Huddle. Uh, go check out Coach Vass because we love him. Yep. And <clears throat> it's that same thing of you never know what front it's going to be. And last year, I mean, I, I'll say it again. This is the defense that Aaron Rodgers called strange. And he said, it's a bunch okay. of three, three, five stack. And it was up to five guys in cut. I mean, and Aaron Rodgers still has trouble against too high. And he's looking at five high going, I don't know what I'm looking at. And Sean Payton, after the, uh, the Panthers beat the brakes off the saints said, we couldn't really, our communication with protection was not good. And um, Teron Armstead, their you know great, great, great left tackle, said the same thing. So, what Phil Snow is doing? Um, so the Georgia thing, a lot of elements to me of the '85 Bears, which was we're going to bring as many as seven guys, we're going to cover the hots, and we're going to bank on our guys getting there. And even if there's somebody wide open, twenty-five yards downfield your quarterback is not going to be able to discern that because he's going to be pulling turf out of his mouth. 
Right. Um, then Rex Ryan came in and said, okay, I'm going to take some of the 46 and Jeff Fisher did this too. Some of the 46 and use zone exchange elements, zone coverage elements, but he was just like, hell with it. I'm going to run man. Um, but this is a fascinating defense and, you know, here, here comes Davis Mills into the teeth of that. I don't know really what to say about Houston's offense. I will be very interested to see as Carolina goes on through the season, if anyone tries to do to them what the Dolphins did in 85 to give the Bears their only loss that year, which was they basically went kind of spread, kind of yep. spread and just, okay, death by a thousand paper cuts. We will meet your you know, exceedingly quick rush with three-step drops and, you know, spread them out and go. So, yeah, I mean, I, I was talking to Cody about that and he said, yeah, but the problem with the Panthers is they have guys to cover that. They can cover you five across because they have the athletes to do that. This is the best defense in the NFL. And if they keep this up, you know, Sam Donald's playing pretty, watch out. Yeah, I mean, the Panthers might be for real. I mean, I think there's that sequence for halftime where they ran the same blitz three times in a row, and they just – they couldn't figure it out because both times you've got uh, Chin and uh, Shaq Thompson mugged up, and each time they opened to Shaq Thompson, the center and the left side of the line slid his way, and every single time Thompson dropped, and it was Chin that came. Like yeah. every single time. Um, well, yeah, and the third one, that, that exchange where I think it was Burris' interception – Oh, yeah. no, no, that, yeah. Um, yeah, the third, it was incomplete, incomplete interception. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, it's evil. Yeah. So, Josh Allen, <clears throat> are we a little worried? I'm a little worried. Um, I mean, I, I, I think we're a little worried, not overly worried, but I mean, in, in the cursory study that I've done of him, it does seem like he's not trusting things with his eyes, which was sort of the conversation we were having about Josh Allen during that sort of three game stretch last year. Well, what did we get out of here? Defenses are waiting him out. They're not blitzing him, waiting him out. And yeah, I was watching, I spent some time this morning, excuse me, watching Allen. And one of the things I wrote down was the static offense problem has moved from Arizona to Buffalo. They're yeah. not they're not giving him designed first and quick second read openings. And as much as Josh Allen progressed last year, that's still a problem for him. He's not a full field reader. He's and you know, maybe he will be, maybe he won't be. Some guys aren't, and it's okay. But if he's not, and he's not, you gotta scheme your way around that. And and Brian Dable did that last year. This year, it's very you know they'll run some condensed formations, but it's like spread your guys off and just you know get open. And the problem is their receivers are getting matched. I mean, he had that the huge play to Stephon Diggs, but that was Stephon Diggs mossing Xavier Howard because he had to stop and wait for the ball. Um, right. It's kind of a problem. And here comes Washington playing a crap ton of man coverage this year. Uh, only the Saints have more uh, per Sports Info Solutions, which is smart when you sign William Jackson the third and he's a top five man corner. Um, I, I'll be fascinated to see if, if and how, if so, Dable maybe opens the playbook up. Because this is, this looks to me, we talk about Josh Allen's regression. To me, this is kind of a regression of the entire passing game. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's kind of what's happening here. I mean, you know, it's interesting. The interception they threw against Miami, that was empty, you yeah. know, and well, it was what a situation where he was late. Yeah. Um, he was just late with his readers, late with his throw, sort of a toss or double slant concept where ball's going to get out. He's late with it. And of course, Xavier Howard is a fantastic coverage defender, so he's able to beat him to the spot, beat Diggs to the spot on the slant route. This has sort of been the sort of constant thing with Allen, right? The, the speeding himself up, speeding up his decisions, speeding up his reads. He's a little bit slow right now. He's a little bit slow with his eyes. And until that gets sorted out, he might struggle. But, I mean, they're at the same time, they're one and one you know, they just had a big win against Miami, and that was probably more to do with their defense and Miami struggles on offense. And Pittsburgh played a very good game against them defensively in week one where they were able to get pressure with four. The problem is Washington could probably do that too. Yeah. 
Yeah, Pittsburgh blitzed him twice. Um, let's see. Allen faced five or more rushers against the Dolphins on 11 dropbacks, completing four of 11 passes for 56 yards. And that's very unusual for uh, a Brian Flores defense because usually they're bringing yep. the house. They're playing a lot of zero and just go for it. So, well, I mean, that's what we talked about last week, right? How is Flores going to do it? That's how he did it. Yeah. Wait him out. You, you bring yep. pressure with four, maybe five, five a couple times. And the problem with that's not blitz numbers because if they're playing five up, five across, bare front, or you know, five or whatever, um, then that's your base. But still, you're getting pressure with your base front. And Washington hasn't been as impactful with that through the first two games as you might have expected, although Jonathan Allen just killed Daniel Jones multiple times uh, last Thursday. But yeah, if they can get pressure with four and drop and just wait Josh Allen out, yeah, um, this is going to be a thing this season, I think. Um, Yeah, I think so too. And last year, Brian Dable solved it for Allen by really scheming stuff up well. I don't know why the the packages (coughs) – seem more i don't want to say boring or vanilla but it doesn't look like it looked last year right is what i'll say uh bears at browns it's justin fields time matt nagy has already said that andy dot will be the starter again when he's healthy which makes sense as fields has proven that to be better in every possible category alas right um you wrote a great piece on fields I just a couple of things. I thought he was a little too eager to run when he had anticipation shots downfield, but Nagy's offense is not going to give you a lot of quick, easy openings. You kind of have to wait for it. Kind of that same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on the interception, Bengals sent a blitz. Fields just missed the late drop from the line, completely missed. I think right now he either looks too frenetic or too mechanical, and I don't really blame him. He hasn't had reps. He had one game with the, the starters in the preseason. I, I don't know yeah. how much more you can mishandle a situation with a guy that you traded up to get. Yep. I mean, we, we've been banning about the the way they've handled him for a while now, but the, at the same time, he comes into that game and you see the ability to unlock portions of the Matt Nagy playbook being what it is um, almost instantly. Some aggression shots downfield. Yes, he unlocks some athleticism. And even when he makes mistakes on zone reads and keeps or shouldn't keep it, he does the wrong thing. He's able to get himself out of it because of his athletic ability. I don't see why he, he that gives the job back. I just don't. Uh, I think the plan is to draft Justin Fields and develop him for the next couple of years. He's somebody I think has to learn by doing because of the mistakes that he's making at times, the reads and decisions that he's making or not making, you can't just learn it from watching. He has to learn by doing, because it's those wait about kind of things. You were just talking about those feel moments where he has to decide to do one thing or another in a blink of an eye or sorting out protections, which was a bugaboo of his in the preseason, cadence, snap, all that stuff. You don't learn it by watching. You learn it by doing it. So I, I think whether he performs extremely well or not, he needs to remain their starting quarterback if he's going to get to where he needs to be. And there were a couple of near misses slash drops. I think Robinson had one there, you know, it could have been, it could have been more. It was what it was. I, I, you know, I just, I wish they would give him the opportunity to succeed or show the need for more development on his own merits, as opposed to the sort of Andy Dalton hanging over his head. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been a bad situation, the way they've handled it, but as this is the 20th anniversary of Drew Bledsoe's injury, yes, there's an opportunity with a door open. Justin Fields is walking through that door. Yeah. As you introed in your piece, uh, could get Wally pipped. Yep. Uh, Cleveland secondary is still figuring itself out. So it could be a good opportunity for fields. Uh, on the other side, Odell might be back. He was full go on Wednesday. I guess he's yep. speaking to the media today for the first time this season or in a long time. In a while. Jarvis Landry's out with a knee injury. So three of ba- three of Baker Mayfield's four completions of 20 or more air yards have been to tight ends this season. One to Harrison Bryant, two to David Njoku, and then the other one to Anthony Schwartz, the rookie receiver who has been a nice deep threat. Um, I'll, I'll just keep pounding the table on this. They've got to be able to create explosive plays beyond scheme. 
And if they get Odell back, yeah. Now the Bears defense is up and down. So you got two defenses sort of in conflict with themselves, which makes it interesting. Um, but it, yeah, if Odell can go, then I wonder if Stefanski dials back on the 13. And I, th- I think they lead the league in 13 personnel out of, in the passing game again this year. Um, you know, I wonder if that flips around. I wonder last year if the heavy reliance on the, you know, the shot, we're going to talk about shot plays with multi-tight end sets because there are a couple offenses that are killing defenses. Yeah. Uh, the Browns being one of them. Um, you know, I wonder if Odell at Fulgo changes the way they array themselves against defenses. I mean, he might, I mean, because he gives you more of that vertical threat, although you still have Schwartz. Um, Denver actually leads the league in 13 personnel overall with 17% of their snaps in 13. Uh, Cleveland, 15% of their snaps, 21 um, in 13 personnel, 12 dropbacks, 10 completions, no touchdowns, one interception, but 16.3 yards per attempt with 12.5 air yards per attempt uh, for Cleveland out of 13 personnel this year. There you go. And so it is. So interesting game. (coughs) Ravens at Lions. To me, the Lions right now, they're, you know, new head coach, trying to develop things, trying to figure out if they have a franchise quarterback, which, of course, they don't. Which they don't. Um, The Lions are a team right now. They can put together about a half of winning football in a game. They had a great comeback against the Niners in week one that almost worked. And then they kind of held serve against the Packers in the first half before, I guess, it can't rain or Jared Goff, you know, has problems or whatever. Right. Um, you know, water finds its own level and so do quarterbacks. Um, and now they have the Ravens to deal with. <laughs> and by the way, the Lions still stink in man coverage. Um, not that you'd yep. want to play man against Lamar. Most teams don't. And it's the run game that tests your discipline more than any other. So, yes. And, with. you know, I, I mean, I, the, the Lions need a new quarterback. I mean, Jared Goff is what he is. And unfortunately for the Lions, I don't know if this is the year to need a draft quarterback. It's a rather interesting class at the college level. I, I think this game is obviously more about Lamar. Um, and, you know, I wrote after they beat the, the Chiefs that this is the sort of, okay, you know, the league has not figured him out because there are things that Lamar Jackson can do that you just can't figure out. Like, you might know what he's going to do, but knowing what he's going to do and then stopping him from doing it are two completely different things. And even though they lost in week one, when they had the, the go-ahead drive at the end that, you know, Derek Carlin just matched, Lewis Riddick said that, you know, eight is the great equalizer. And, and that's it. Like, you might have the right defense called. You might have the best athlete on your side of the football spying him, and he can still find a way to beat you. And Deontay Lee wrote a piece about it. Steven Ruiz is just up with a piece about it over at the Rainer about how Lamar against the Chiefs won with a run game that was almost as efficient, if not more efficient than a passing game in today's NFL, which is fascinating to think about. They, that's how they win. And I will also just mention Baltimore coming out pregame with the Omar whistle from the wire in a tribute to Michael K. Williams was absolutely incredible. Just goosebumps, exactly. Just and I, I follow a lot of Ravens fans. They were calling for that in the week leading up to that game, and they did it, and it was incredible. And yeah, kudos to them for that. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, yeah, a couple of things. When we talk about offenses being multiple, we automatically think of the passing game. You have to be multiple in the right. passing game. The Ravens are the two things that, that occurred to me watching that game over again. When we got the illegal all 22 because game pass is still screwing around. Um, there was one early play where the, and we're going to talk about the chiefs run defense a little later. Ouch. They faked the camera guy out. Cause <laughs> I think yeah. two tight ends went right. It, I don't know. I don't think it was counter bash. Two tight ends went right. Halfback went this way after the, the mesh point, the read exchange. Lamar ran to the right. Camera guy goes over here. Lamar goes over there. Yeah. It's so, so when people say Greg Roman's offense is predictable, I laugh for a couple of reasons. Um, and that's one of them. And then when people say that Lamar can't read, like he's not a full field reader. Well, he is an amazing reader in the way they ask him to be, which is he can read the gaps. He can read 
the run opportunities. He orchestrates the entire run game and creates impossible conflicts for defenders with his mere presence. It's like the 3D chess version of what Vic did with the Falcons in the mid-2000s. So when we say that Lamar can't and Lamar can't and, you know, give your players the opportunity to do what they can. Now, do I still have questions about Lamar as a passer? Sure. Is that going to come up and bite him in the ass again in the playoffs? Probably. Uh, But it's fun to watch now. Yeah, it's fun to watch now. The Lions deal with it. No, and I mean, I think the play that sort of sums up their run game and how effective it is, is the play from week one where there was obviously a miscommunication. You had counter bash called where both right guard and right tackle pull to the left, left guard, left tackle pull to the right. Those four bodies collide. They still got six yards off the play. Like even though four of your blockers take themselves out of it, you still get six yards on the play. That's how efficient and effective their run game can be. Never go full must champ kids. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, never go full must champ. Uh, Colts at Titans, so Jacob Eason versus Tennessee nope. or Brett Hundley. Brett Hundley apparently, or maybe Carson Doyle is maybe out. Carson once without ankles. Yeah, who knows? It's like a demolition derby with nothing but Ford Pintos. Yeah, because Tennessee's pass defense is still horrible. Uh, right, don't play man if you can't play man, and they don't even win the award. They're they're the second worst. Don't play man if you can't play man team in their own division. Yeah. Urban because apparently everyone's Alabama. Apparently. Uh, so I, I really don't know what to say there. Um, let's move on to Chargers at Chiefs. <laughs> well, I mean, if you, I, I really don't have any. Julio looks Jason good. Jason throws five passes. I don't have, I don't, on the second or third pass. Hey, I'm going to test Jalen Ramsey. Really? I mean, Come on. You know, stop. Yeah, I, I, I don't really. I'm sorry to fans of these two teams, but uh, yeah. And Derrick Henry will probably go full Derrick Henry and, you know, do it. Yeah. Don't be too aggressive on the edge. No. Unless you want your face taken off. Yeah. Run through a bleeper's face. Yep. Over and over and over. Um, Yeah. Charges at Chiefs. So the Ravens busted Patrick Mahomes' streak of perfect September games. Odafe Owe, wow, did all kinds yes. of Yes. You never had a sack. Okay, sure. Yeah. Uh, Pressure is production, kids. Just remember thank that. You, uh, was it one of the PFF guys said you pay for pressure, not sacks? I think it was Eager that said that. Probably Eager. Yeah. Uh, so the Chiefs had never lost in September with Mahomes as a starter, and he had never thrown an interception. Um, both of those things changed. That's not what I'm worried about. I don't, you know, I, I, you can see the, the different offense because they brought in all these different offensive linemen with, you know, they, they're going from zone to gap in a, you know, just from a personnel stance and it's a scheme at, that's going to take a few weeks to figure out. I'm not worried about their offense. Their defense is horrid. 31st in DVOA. Only the lions are worse. 25th against the pass dead last against the run. Now, they've played the Browns and the Ravens, so you can attribute some of that to – and I don't think DVOA is adjusting for opponent. I think that starts like week four, week five. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I watched very intently what the hell is going on. And I think the move – it's not – well, it's a two-parter. You move Chris Jones to the outside. That's part of the problem. And then you bring in Jaron Reed from Seattle, who is a great interior sort of speed guy getting through the pocket. Not really my number one choice as a run plugger. So now they got Jones on the outside. And when they had Jones and Derek Noddy inside before, and Jones was still, but he was primarily like a four eye guy. When they had Jones, that was, that worked. They're getting gashed inside and Jones is outside providing pressure, but they don't really have anyone to stop this. And I, you know, if they don't, figure, I wonder, I mean, I don't believe this, but the whole idea of if we run the ball and run clock and keep Mahomes off the field, that didn't work before because Mahomes would come in. And if you give him four minutes, he's still going to throw for five touchdowns. I, that right. changed. But 
this is now a severe weakness. And unless they want to move Jones back inside or find a way to, you know, give Jaron Reed power pills. um, Now the chargers aren't that sort of full force multiplier run offense, but they're they're good at that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I'm more in the lines of it was Cleveland and it was Baltimore and they've got, 13 personnel stuff we were talking about with Cleveland. We were just talking about the variation in Baltimore's run game. I want to see it against the Chargers. If it continues this week, then, yeah, I think it's push the panic button kind of moment. I I think – but given those two offenses they just went up against and what all the things that Greg Roman dials up in the run game. I mean, I'm, I'm looking through some of these plays right now. You had the one you were talking about where they like fake out the cameraman. You have other designs and some of them look, there was a Latavius Murray run that went for uh, looking at it right now. I think it went for like, just like 31 yards or something. Like that. No, it was just a six yard run um, where it stopped inside and he has to cut out to the outside and there's just no contain. And so he breaks to the to the left side and gets upfield for a big gain. I mean, I, I want to see if it continues against lesser run teams, and this is the first week to sort of see that. Yeah. Um, has Rashawn Slater been the best rookie in the NFL so far? I think the case could be made. I think the case could be made too. I mean, you see him last week against Parsons. You see him week one, you know, against a, a familiar foe in Chase Young at times. He's looked fantastic. And, you know, you don't need to look far. I mean, Duke Mannyweather's putting the cut-ups on the timeline for everybody. Just go to Duke's, big Duke 50. You'll see him. He's been fantastic. He's been absolutely fantastic. And, yeah, I think he has been the best rookie. So he gets Chase Young. He gets Michael yep. Parsons. Now he gets Chris yep. Um, yeah. I don't think Chris Jones is going to have a very good day. No, I mean, what we've seen from I don't Slater remember, so far. I honestly, Mark, don't remember the last time I saw, I remember I wrote an article when everyone said, Oh, Slater should kick inside. Cause he has short arms. And I'm like, I wrote a horror article saying, no, no, we just done. No with tape. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the last time I saw an offense, a left tackle come in this plug and play and have, Badass against badass against badass three weeks in a row. And, you know, Chris Jones will get his, his, his bites because he's, you know, great. But um, yeah, when Parsons would up, he, he gave up a pressure to Bradley and Ann, kind of that cross chop. Yeah. That, that's really the only ding I've seen it through the preseason. No pressures, no sacks, no hits, four pressures, four hurries um through two games i mean i i don't know what to debit i don't know what to look at and go well maybe you could improve on this or that that's just exceedingly rare yes very rare <laughs> saints at patriots uh saints licking their wounds so was new england's like give me a 80 20 50 50 40 60 whatever how much of new england's defensive performance was about them and how much of it was Zach Wilson doing his interpretive you know, performance art out there? I mean, I, I, I think it was like maybe 65, 35 New England's defense. I mean, Juwan Bentley is playing extremely well, uh, which is a bit of a surprise, both in coverage and as a, a pass rusher. You're, you had that first interception broken down brilliantly by that 12-year-old on TikTok. And it's Bentley who's the free rusher um, who's got the shot at Zach Wilson and forces that throw forces influences it high and it's off target. What was interesting about that game. Like Corey Davis has no hops. That just, that was, that, that was great. I was just what, dead. What was interesting about that game, Doug, and, and we often hear the idea that Belichick uses the first couple of games as an extended preseason. And if you want evidence of what that looks like, Going into it, I was talking to DJ Ben. I mean, the New York Daily News beat reporter for the Jets, who's fantastic about you know who's going to cover Corey Davis. It is is it a JC Jackson game? Is it a Jalen Mills and safety help like we sometimes see Belichick do? He switched it up. There there were some snaps with JC Jackson on him. There were some snaps with Jonathan Jones. Some snaps with Jalen Mills. Some snaps with Juwan Williams. He's still trying to figure out Belichick is what he has in that secondary without Stephon Gilmore. He's still trying to figure out what he has up front. You know, with, with some of the guys that they added, Hightower back from the COVID opt-out. Um, but I think it was a very good defensive performance early. 
I think the two, the second two interceptions from Wilson, that was him stuck in sort of quicksand, stuck in, you know, panic mode where he was like sort of like trying to make things happen. And so I, I think it was more the Patriots defense, particularly early in that game. Yeah. Wilson is, um, I, yeah, I, I went down the rabbit hole with the whole Panthers thing. So I did not have time to watch New England's offense, which I tend to, Oh, we're going to talk about on the podcast. I know Mark will watch what I've heard. And I need, I need to catch up on this. What I've heard is Mac Jones is a sufficient completion machine. And then people were throwing, well, yeah, he's averaging like three air yards per attempt. So it had better be efficient. Right. I mean, how much are they just asking? There are, opportunities are they for asking him. to do stuff that's just training wheels i don't think so i mean there was a double pass early in that game where he takes the cross and route to john smith but Aguilar is open deep for a touchdown and he doesn't throw it um there are other opportunities they had a sale concept early in that game Aguilar's open deep i think he wants to hit Jacoby Myers on the sale, Myers stumbles, somebody decides to check it down. There are opportunities for him to push the ball downfield, and I think this is one of those moments for a young quarterback sort of learning how to appropriately uh, you know, balance aggression versus conservative play. You know, and, and there are sort of – stuff and just not hitting it? Is it kind of that Derek Carr thing where it's off and on? I think it's more early Derek Carr where he's seeing it and – not throwing it like there was a he did force one post on a double post where he had a there was a flag so he knew he had the free play so he's it's not that he's just not seeing it or looking for them he's just more comfortable checking the ball down now part of it look you get two interceptions early you're up early like maybe he's thinking maybe it's been drilled into his head like don't force it if you don't completely have it and so he's like look we're up two scores i'm gonna check the ball down but there are people already pushing the panic button on this in new england I think this is more similar to some of the other discussions we've had. Okay, we watch it. Does it continue? If we're still having this conversation, say Halloween, that he's afraid to throw downfield, then I think we have a deeper discussion, perhaps a deeper problem. Well, and the Saints can they'll, – they'll throw different fronts at you. They play more man than any team in the NFL. Yeah. Um, so that'll be interesting. And New England could incredibly say, look, our defense is back. Um, our run game is there. Damian Harris just went full beast mode on that touchdown. Yeah. Run. Um, so, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's their mindset. Would you just be the game manager, distribute the ball. Don't take, on- I mean, this is what I said going into this year, it's going to look like the early Brady run where it's like ball control passing game. Try to win with the defense. Don't force the issue. Don't make a ton of mistakes. That's what we saw in week two, and people are starting to panic over it. And, and part of it might be they look. Won, this isn't. They won. I would say they won their first two Super Bowls. By the third, you they had started yeah. to unlock. Yeah, but the first two it was that kind of. The, the issue is, and I think perhaps there's a reason for that concern. This isn't 2003. Like right. it, it's a different era. And winning with ball control passing and defense could have worked then. Maybe it isn't the recipe for success now. I think that's the underlying current for some of the concern in New England. Falcons at Giants. Uh, Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Tony are yelling at Jason Garrett. So that's great. Um, yeah. I will say that the Falcons secondary should provide an excellent uh, bounce back opportunity for the Giants. I know you do big blue view. Um, do Galladay and Tony have a point? I don't know if they have you a need, point. You know what Kadarius Tony is that, that whole situation seems to me like the, you know, coaches wanted one thing and the scouts wanted another. And yeah. Mixed up. I mean, Garrett tried in week one to get Tony involved a couple of different times. You might want to block Vaughn Miller on that jet sweep. I'm just saying it seems to be a good idea to try to at least accomplish that task. Um, well, they didn't, I, I just think well, they didn't do that because also like, you know, Nate Solder was running into Saquon Barkley and letting. Miller yeah, I mean, there was that stuff. Too. That was I mean, I, I what, yeah. what's so interesting about this Giants offense is I, I do. I am starting to feel that. Jones needs to be the vertical passer that we didn't think he was like, coming out of Duke. It was all zero one step drop. Quick You've made stuff. that point before that go against his college tendencies. Yeah, because he seems so much more comfortable and decisive on vertical stuff 
even thrown with anticipation. Even the missed shot played a Darius Slayton on the Mills against the sort of too high look. Safety drives down. He steps up, takes a thump, throws a catchable ball. I mean, it wasn't like he threw it out of the back of the end zone. Slayton got his hands to it. Um, but there are other sort of anticipation throws, seam routes, dig routes, band aid post routes off of play action where he seems more comfortable. Then when he's trying to read stick, he's, he's slower than he's throwing pick sixes on stick. Like, I, I think we always say, look, you draft a quarterback, you, you find out what he liked to run in high school and college and, and pop Warner even and run that. This might be the sort of flip side to that, which is, okay, well, that's what he ran at Duke, but he's better doing this stuff. Uh, attempts of over 20 air yards, first two games of the season, Teddy Bridgewater, Trevor Lawrence, and Josh Allen are tied with 13. Yep. Uh, you have to go way, 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 way down the list. And here's Daniel Jones with five deep attempts, two completions, 75 yards and a touchdown. Yep. And the numbers were also good last year on throws over 20 yards. And yeah, like. Yeah, they were. I don't remember exactly what they were, but they were really good. Yeah. And so I think that's where they need to be as an offense. Now, what's interesting, I'll do these video breakdowns and, you know, Giants fans will say like, oh, so you're saying that they need to be absolutely perfect. I'm not saying that they need to be absolutely perfect, but this is where your quarterback seems more comfortable. And you would think that you hire Jason Garrett, Mr. Air Coriel, Mr. Downfield passing school. That's what the idea was. But then Garrett's calling stick. 14 times a game. You know what the problem is? If you get Eric Correale without Don Correale, you might have a problem. Uh, last year, 20 uh, over twenty air yards or more, 20 completions on 43 attempts for 652 yards, 15.2 yards per attempt, six touchdowns, no interception, quarterback rating of 132.5. Yeah. That seems good to me, Doug, but I'm, I'm just – I'm not a I'm coach, just, but it seems good to me too. I'm just an idiot in his basement in front of a microphone, well, but it seems good to me. There go. <laughs> That's the new two idiots in their basement. <laughs> two idiots of the microphone. Yeah. It's like uh, that Bexon, right? Two turntables and the microphone. Wiki, wiki, wiki. Uh, Bengals at Steelers for the second straight week. Jamar Chase caught a touchdown pass of over 20 air yards. Speaking of air yards. Per next gen stats, the Bengals had two deep touchdowns all last season. I went and looked, and looked at Joe Burrow's three picks. Uh, one was a gimme off a bat at the line of scrimmage. One was a terrible decision to fit a deep crossbody throw to T Higgins, who I, I was watching T Higgins think, thinking that want to get away commercial, like yeah, not a good game. And Jalen Johnson, <clears throat> who's great, just was waiting to jump that route. He was like, he had time to stand there and like put his Asante Samuel jersey on and go get it. And then the pick six for Roquan Smith was, um, I, I, I wanted to have, I didn't have time to do this. I wanted to go check their transcripts and see if Burrow explained what he was looking at because he's trying to hit Tyler Boyd in the seam and Smith was moving over before he threw it and Burrow didn't appear to see it at all. And that, that was weird. That whole thing. And then he throws two touchdowns and, you know, becomes Joe Burrow again. That whole get that whole sequence was weird. And here come the Steelers who are throwing all kinds of weird shit at their quarterbacks. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) The interception, particularly the pick six, the pick six was just a disaster. It's zone coverage. He's trying to throw a spot route, curl route, like right into it. You've got both linebackers reading it. There's, and he seemingly is Like if I'm Joe Burrow and I'm right here and Roquan Smith is already moving over here and here's Roquan Smith when I throw the ball and here's Tyler Boyd, what are we doing? And the other thing is Burrow's eyes on that play after he catches the snap, are right to Tyler Boyd, yep. and they don't go anywhere um, else. Well, and, why do you think Roquan's going over there? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I mean, the the Steelers' defense, we saw what it did to Josh Allen in week one. There's a chance to duplicate that here in week two. I think the bigger thing, though, is we have officially pushed the panic button on Ben Roethlisberger at this point, right? Oh, yeah. Like, I, I think that's official. Like, speaking of stick, like, he was afraid, afraid to throw the outside out route on stick last week. I, 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 the Steelers offense is an issue. Yeah. Uh, Lori Fitzpatrick, our, uh, our excellent comrade did a great tape piece on Najee Harris too, too early to worry, but maybe give him a lead blocker. Yeah. 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 Uh, Cardinals at Jaguars. Take the under in this one, kids. Take That's the what under, we're Take all the unders. Yes, indeed. Uh, Cardinals at Jaguars. You wrote this week that Kyler Murray is frustrated, but the NFL should be terrified. 
I will say this last season, Cliff Kingsbury ran 10, 11 and 21 personnel only exclusively had no other uh, personnel packages ran more 10 than anyone else this season. They've already mixed 12 and 13 in. So yeah, Whatever happened, like I said, the, the static passing game has moved from Arizona to Buffalo. Strange thing to do in the fall, but whatever. I'm, I'm not ready to write it yet, but I have the draft in Google Drive of Cliff Kingsbury is grown up and the NFL should be terrified. I wrote that halfway through his first season when he started mixing in personnel packages and then he went back to whatever. So, you yeah. know, yeah, I mean, that's why I haven't pushed send, like on push send on it. Just yet. keep writing it yeah. But they're they're moving guys around. I love the seam that they that Kyler hit to Max Williams out of a twelve personnel YY win to the right. You've got a man beater concept to the backside, the zone reader beater concept to the front side. They're doing a lot of different things with personnel packages. They're moving Hopkins and Green around a little bit. Not as much as we'd probably like to see, but you're seeing Hopkins in the slot a little bit more. You're seeing Green on both sides. And so and there's why, growth there. Why, why wing is the new thing, by the way. That seems to be the new thing. I, I've seen so many teams running it now. Why, why, when? Maybe it's too high stuff. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to keep an eye on that. But Kyler is fantastic so far this year. Um, I, I know he had some interceptions in that game, but still, um, I, I think he's anticipating windows better. I think he's reading defenses better. And when they, you add the ability to then make the kind of extend the play, spin, roll left, make that throw to Rondale Marr and just send Gus Johnson and Akib Tlaib in the booth into sort of the stratosphere. That's it's similar to Lamar. Like that's the stuff you can't like game plan for. When I like go out for my coffee breaks in the morning, hit Starbucks, hit the grocery store, whatever bookstore, uh, get out of the house. Uh, Akib's podcast, Catch and Fades. Is, I like learn stuff and at the same time. I'll also have to pull over because I'm laughing so hard. Yeah. Akib is great. And those two were incredible in the booth on Sunday. I'm just going to say that. And look, we all know that if Gus Johnson is doing a game, like you stop and you watch because he had the interception, Oklahoma, Nebraska the day before too. Yep. Uh, Yeah. I wrote about that. That was the craziest interception I've ever seen. Uh, So Gus Johnson does a Seahawks game. Does like the world implode? Like the world just implodes. I mean, that's an end of days moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Jaguars and man coverage, 20 catches a lot and 23 targets for 238 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Is that bad? That's not great. So the Jaguars are your, uh, week, week three going into clubhouse leader and don't play man. If you can't play man, let's keep track of that. And we're working on the don't play man. If you can't play man t-shirts, trust me. Uh, Kyler Murray against man coverage this season, 14 of 20 for 195 yards, 138 air yards, four touchdowns, and one interception. Also, He's probably the most efficient deep passer in the NFL right now. So, you know, stop the fight. Yeah. You know who isn't the most efficient deep passer in the NFL right now? Trevor Lawrence. The other guy. Yeah. And I, you know. It's weird. I blame the quarterback. Yeah. To to a greater or lesser degree. It's weird. I had somebody ask me if, you know, Lawrence going deep and then Jones with all his checkdowns is just two young quarterbacks trying to figure out what they can and can't do. And, you know, there might be something to that, but I do think there's a bit more of a schematic element in Jacksonville with what they're asking him to do than there is in new England. Boy, did you just team me up? Cause we're going to go to Jets yep. and Broncos. Remember what Zach Wilson said in the preseason? We all went, Oh, that's so beautiful. I'm just right. learning what I can do. These mistakes will go away. I'm just, you know, I'm just testing things out. I'm seeing where the boundaries are. Well, <laughs> Found those boundaries pretty early. Right in the face. Uh, yep. Here comes Vic Fangio. Yeah. I, I don't think this ends well for, comes Patrick's for the New York Jets. Too. Yeah. I, I think the bigger conversation, though, is, is Teddy. Well, and it's Teddy. It's, it's Cortland. Think about this. Cortland's, Cortland Sutton had a career day in week two. Yep. He's fully healthy. You got Hamler. You got, I mean, that, that whole receiver core. Tim Patrick is like your fourth receiver, and he'd be in a, a WR2 on like yep. 20 other teams. And Teddy is turning it loose. And remember, Pat Shermer, their OC, is the same guy who turned Case Keenum into a great deep passer in 2017 with the Vikings. Yeah. That's Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen and guys who could go up and, yeah. So the Denver, with their. Denver might be for real. And we all said coming into the season, right? Denver's roster is great. 
the quarterback position is the the huge question mark. When I did that tape piece with Chris Harris, who is now at the Chargers, played with the Broncos for years, like, yeah, the only thing we could never figure out was a quarterback. And it looks like they have. They might have figured it out. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Teddy's turning it loose through two weeks. He's tied for the lead with 13 attempts with 20 or more air yards, completing four of those passes for 130 yards. So deep passes, efficiency, it's always an iffy thing. But, yeah, speaking of deep passes, I'm so the Dolphins at Raiders, I'm very excited to see what John Gruden will dial up against Miami's aggressive defense. The Raiders are killing teams on vertical concepts at two and three tight ends. They'll run yeah. four hurts out of 13. Yeah. John Gruden, you sick bleep. I, I love it. Darren Waller, Foster Moreau. And we talked about, and I wrote about in week one against the Ravens, the where Carr moved the safety over and he had rugs and he dumped it off to the fullback, Alec Ingold. Week two, he made that throw. Yep. Okay, here we go. Yeah. I mean, Carr's aggressive. He's turning it loose. Lampoon John Gruden for a host of reasons, and a lot of it is deserved. But as an offensive play caller, all that time he spent, you know, grinding in his trailer when he was doing QB camp, um, it's showing up. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I I think adding rugs into that passing game like they did against Pittsburgh is going to be a huge part of it. But it's really sort of Carr and his aggression, his willingness to turn some stuff loose, his willingness to take some chances. The touchdown to rugs was not just a great design, but he hung in there versus pressure off the edge, took a shot, made the throw. I think the bigger question with the Raiders might be, is their defense going to be good enough? You know, Ben Solak wrote about this week. Others wrote about it. They don't need to be great. They just need to be good enough. Given you get Mahomes twice, you get Herbert twice. Like corners, we don't coming. know. Uh, pass yeah. rush, they're they're getting a ton of pressure without blitzing. Yeah. Um. You know, the the elevated question in this game is two is out, which sucks. Uh, the Bills pressured Miami on twenty five of their dropbacks. Um. That offensive line. So here. You have Jacoby Brissett, who, as a processor, I will say, uh, since I'm in a good mood, to put it kindly, he's deliberate. Yeah. So, if I'm if I'm Miami's offensive staff, and I know it's Eric Studeville and some other guy whose name I don't remember, you go back, and I know you're a Patriots fan, so you remember this very well. Week three of the 2016 season, Brady's out, suspended because of Deflate Gate. Garoppolo hurts his shoulder. They have to start uh, Brissett. Brissett. His third game, third NFL game. Short week. Short week. So what do they do? Read up. They read Veer. Over and over. They went like full Lou Holtz. And they won. I mean, it was... It was reminiscent of that game during the strike season when it was Walsh versus Parcells. And Walsh comes out there on the wishbone. And Parcells is on the other sideline like just losing his mind and Walsh is just like, what do you want me to do? He's just like shrugging his shoulder. Like, what do you want me to do? It was shades of that. Well, it was shades of the wildcat week three in. Oh, I remember that game. Uh, The the best coach in NFL history, the best coach in football history gets. Belichick is just like coached by Tony Sperano. Yeah. Um, I remember I watched that game (laughs) at a restaurant with my parents in like Brandywine, Pennsylvania after a long weekend. And we were just like pulling our hair. Like, what is this? I was watching it. I was with football outsiders at the time. And I wrote about that game. Like I was taking furious notes because, you know, that's what you had to do at that time. I'm like, I have to write about this. Right. Um, so here's what I do. I would run a crap ton of read option and I'd make Max Crosby, the, the fulcrum guy, the epicenter yeah. read or stay force him to back off because I think that's the only way the Dolphins have a chance here uh, offensively is to somehow try and negate Max Crosby from just demolishing your entire offensive line. I I would, that's what I do. I don't know what they're going to do. Interesting if it happens, but that's what I do. I mean, talk about a a quarterback that you go over said it was like the designated like QB sneak guy at Indy for a couple of years. Like I'm, Sure, they'll do some things with him along the way. Because if they if they want him to drop back, like with that offensive line against the Raiders pressure packages, 
Yeah. Um, who's behind Brissette? Now I have to look that up. <laughs> Reed Stinnett. And I think somebody wondered, is this the first time a starter and a backup quarterback had the same three letters to end their last names? Well, that's a fun little trivia question. All the money we're paying for databases. Why can't we look that Seriously. Up? SIS should have that somewhere. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know. It seems more like a pro football reference thing. Yeah, maybe. So Buccaneers at Rams. Speaking of offenses that are killing defenses with um, vertical shot plays and multi-tight end sets. I mean, we knew this from last year. Um, yeah. And yeah, Gronk, but also Cameron Bray and all that. Um, I think the Rams' ability to stress defenses with Matthew Stafford's arm is benefiting Cooper Cup more than anyone else. This is per next-gen stats. He had nine catches on 11 targets for 163 yards and two touchdowns in week two, averaging 4.4 yards of separation. There are some receivers who are averaging 4.4 yards per catch. Cup had at least three yards of separation on eight of his targets, catching all eight for 153 yards and a touchdown. This is this is the McVeigh West Coast with that now vertical element. It's a bit like what Andy Reid has always. I asked you last week, could the Rams be as explosive as the Chiefs? And the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, well, yeah, it's West Coast of the vertical component. This is what yeah. Andy's wanted to do, time immemorial. Um, if you're the Buccaneers, how do you deal with this? Yeah, and what's interesting about this Rams offense, Joe Ferriola, who I know, uh, he's at Next Gen. He said back in August that McVay might be calling more RPOs because Stafford's so comfortable in the, in the shotgun. And they've called 12 RPOs, 11% of their plays this season, just 25 from 2017 to 2020. I mean, so they've already almost hit what they did in three years of Jared Goff. And then I think, they already, I think they have more post touchdowns this year than they did in Goff's entire career. Yeah. And then Jordan Rodriguez saw what Joey said and had a quote from McVeigh. We were in the shotgun a lot more than what you've typically seen in some of those early downs. We have a lot more things that we're doing both in the gun and underneath the center that you're presented to the defense. He can do so many different things, Stafford. You're not limited in any way what you can and how you can utilize. It. Does that sound like a coach that's finally happy with his quarterback? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Seahawks at Vikings and uh, I'm, I'm in Seattle. I've been yep. covering this team since Pete Carroll came here. And if Seahawks Titans was your intro to this, I'm going to tell you, you're going to see games like this from the Seahawks. They have the talent to hang with anyone. They get too aggressive to Derrick Henry in the second half. And that went about as well as expected in the first half. They were like, everyone converge on Derrick Henry. And then the second half like, Oh, now we're going to rush Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry went. <laughs> okay. Right. Uh, they gave the Titans extra chances far too often with penalties, including the taunting penalties. The NFL really needs to rein in by the way, in the i wrote about this this week in the 2020 season there were 10 taunting penalties all year including the postseason through two weeks 10 not good yeah it's an issue and i'm, I'm reminded of that just to this point of emphasis and after three weeks they figure it out they better freaking yeah. figure it out yeah. uh, the offense is still a bit disjointed at times russell wilson got a bit frenetic i think that should have been a safety by the way um they kind of blew that call and it's going to take a while for Wilson to, I think, realize that you're now in a Shane Waldron offense. You don't have to make everything happen. The offense will open itself for you. Right. Now, whenever he hits Tyler Lockett, um, I don't know, was it Waldman this week who compared Tyler Lockett to Lance Allworth? And I thought, what a yes, it was Waldman. Brilliant comp that was. Like, yeah. Uh, go YouTube Bambi, guys. Go, go yeah. YouTube Lance Allworth, and that's Mozart how it, how it was meant to be played. <laughs> Seahawks and Vikings cornerbacks have combined for six touchdowns allowed and zero interceptions in the first two weeks of the season. You like that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so <clears throat> could be bombs away. Uh, yeah. In Minnesota. Uh, Dalvin Cook has an ankle thing, but I think he'll go. And I think Pete Carroll's already already worried about that, but she should be. Yeah. Okay. Packers at 49ers. So the big story this week was. Matt LaFleur had to go to Joe Barry, the defensive coordinator at halftime and tell him, look, either pick a lane, either go full rush or full coverage. You can't rush for and play man behind. And everyone treated this as if it was the dumbest thing in Barry's case at any coaches. Why can't you figure this out? Um, I'm going to take a couple minutes here and do story time. And I wrote, story time. 
My love story. This in the book, Genius of Desperation, plug, plug. Super Bowl one, one of the more important games in Packers history. And everyone's telling Vince Lombardi, you cannot lose this game. You cannot lose this game. We just merged with the AFL, but you cannot lose this game. We can't go out and lay an egg against the Chiefs. Well, at halftime, the Chiefs are holding serve. It's 14 to 10 Packers. And the reason was Hank Stram and his staff studied Phil Bankston's Packers defense and figured out that they blitzed an average of three times a game. So, okay, we're going to run. Basically, it was as if Cliff Kingsbury or Brian Dable was coaching Len Dawson. It was five wide, and it might have been two backs, but it was still five wide. And the Peyton, the Sean Payton element of flaring the back out pretty snap. Yep. So at the half, Lombardi goes up to Phil Bankson and says, and I can only imagine how Lombardi said it, but I imagine it was incredibly loud. Now would be the time to bring the house. Third play of the second half, they run what's called blitz three everyone up the middle. Like they were bringing guys off the bench to blitz. Dawson throws an empty beer can to Willie Wood. Wood returns it to the five yard line ball game. Packers take over. My point is, and we've heard, you know, the, the Manning cast week one, they were talking about second half adjustments. Does it matter? Does it not? Well, you know, you can go different ways with that, but I think in this case, it's not as big a deal as we think it is. What is a big deal is that the Packers defense sucks and it sucks for multiple reasons. And it's a big problem. I'll start with the front. Yeah. We were talking, I was watching the Packers defense right after I watched the Panthers defense. I wouldn't recommend that. Right. That was unpleasant. Um, I did not see, and I don't, I'm not exaggerating Mark. I did not see one line stunt from the Packers in that entire game. Whether they're rushing four, rushing five blitz, I don't care. If as an offensive line, all you've got is guys coming straight at you, unless you're just beating a, a, a line with numbers, like it's eight on five and you got a four on two on this side. Right. If they're coming straight at you without any sort of forcing protection adjustments, it, it doesn't really matter, especially if Zadarius Smith is out. Um, so that's problem one. Problem two is, I don't know what kind of coverages they're calling, but that uh, it was a touchdown to Cephas where they at one point had three guys on. Um, oh God. Who's the tight end. <sighs> who's Detroit's tight end. I'm Hawkinson. Sorry. Thank you. Um, <coughs> I remember Greg Cosell in 2019 talking about the Patriots. And he said, and it was a great term. And it's kind of how I think about defenses when I look at them. They said they had front multiplicity and coverage consistency, which means the front is a petri dish. It could be anything. The coverage is, you know, pretty set. Yeah. I think the Packers have front blandness and coverage overcomplication. Basically, nothing's working. Yeah, I mean, nothing's working for them right now. They couldn't get pressure on Jared Goff. The, the touchdown to Cephas, you've got, like you said, three guys. You've got two guys covering Hawkinson up the seam, the safety splitter. And, and I think King three. comes over and Cephas yeah. is like, hi, throw me the ball. Yeah, I mean, eventually you've got five over two in the middle of the field with five guys over Hawkinson and Amon Ross St. Brown. And Cephas is just in the back left corner of the end zone outside the G in Green Bay with nobody within 15 yards of them. Like, and yeah, it's a coverage bust this early this season, but sometimes these issues and plays are indicative of too much being put on plates. Like you said, they're trying to do too much, maybe in the secondary and guys are making mistakes. This, you have to clean this, that this, up. Heard me, you know what this reminds me of? Mike Nolan last year. Yeah. Where, they, where he came in and all the players were like, we don't know what we're supposed to do. It's so yeah. complicated. And it's like nothing works. It's exactly very, very much like that. And I I think the secondary issues might be the bigger long-term story for how this season goes. I think the short-term story are the problems up front. The old double-team Kenny Clark from last year, right? Double-team him. You'll have everything else blocked up. Now you get the San Francisco run game. He's not getting any help. Yeah, he's not getting any help. So you double him, you're fine. Now you get the San Francisco run game. Well, and you and I was some... talking with uh, Orlovsky about this, and he kind of jokingly said Packers don't have the guys up front. I'm like, well, yeah, they do. And you look at Morgan Fox of the Panthers, who made Secret Superstars this week. I mean, Phil Snow has Morgan Fox looking like 
Cameron Hayward. And who the hell was Morgan Fox before he got there? They right. signed him in the offseason. He was like a rotational, rotational, rotational guy for the Rams. And now he's just a stud. And this is like the inverse. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm sorry. No, uh, no, no. I mean, I, I was just. Game. Yeah. I mean, now you get the Niners run game. You get the stuff Kyle Shanahan dials up. Maybe it's not as exotic as we see in Baltimore, but it could be if they use more Trey Lance. I was. Just, it should this be a Trey Lance game? I think it should Garoppolo be at least at times. Missing stuff all over the place. Maybe that doesn't I matter mean, against this defense, but he's still. I think you should see Trey Lance for like 15 plays at least against this and do some stuff in the run game. Show those with different looks. I, I think Kyle Shanahan, I think, has to do that this weekend. Do they do what they did against the Raiders in the preseason where they – Yeah. Out? I don't know if you go – Back and forth. I don't know if you go that far, but you better have at least a drive or two of Trey Lance stuff ready. Because – if they can create a, a, a semblance of what the Ravens challenge you with. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Rogers against the Lions took with the Lions too high coverages gave him for the most part, heavy Aaron Jones game, which was the thing to do. The deep throw to Devontae Adams. Eli pointed this out on the Manning cast came against too high drop to cover one robber. And yeah. the touchdown to Robert Tanya was that Aaron Rodgers doing Aaron Rodgers shit. There's one play a game at least where you simply go next. Wait, yeah, we can't. We can't. It was like the 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 long uh, crosser to Devonte in Week One, where Devonte has two Saints run him, and and Rogers throws it into a window like this. Yeah, I mean that was the the Tanya two man safety splitter. Yeah. What, what's great about that? You do a video on it, and I get people telling me, "Well, Alan Lazard is open on the slant," and it's just like, what? Like some people that, just need fun. Yeah, I mean, that too high look, if you're going to throw that safety splitter, I mean, the the way your coach is, if it's there, you take it immediately. Otherwise, it's going to be too late. It was there. He took it immediately, threw it into a shoebox, like, whatever, move on. Some people just don't like fun. That's also true. I don't know. Uh, Eagles at Cowboys. Very interested to see what the Cowboys do with Micah Parsons in this game. They made him mostly an edge defender against the Chargers, and he was, well, poor Storm Norton the Bulagos replacement for the Chargers at right tackle. Yeah. Unpleasant. If they do that this week, they can line him up against Lane Johnson at right tackle. Wouldn't recommend it or Jordan Mailata. Now this was interesting because Mailata rugby guy, great story. Yeah. You know, he's developed a lot. Hey, cool. Pro foot. And I'm not maligning pro football focus. I, I use it all the time. Um, they had him credited with zero pressures of any kind against the 49ers. And I'm watching the tape going, uh, I saw him give up a sack to Bosa and there were yeah. three other inter- instances in which it was quick game and the 49ers were countering with mush rush. It was, I was getting like LSU flashbacks um, where if the passing, if the pass play had taken one step longer, my lot of could have given up four sacks. So yeah. he still won't, he can get bold. He can get, uh, he'll, he will lose guys to either side and Micah Parsons, you know, he's this fast, lighter guy. He has very heavy hands, very heavy hands. And it's unusual for a rookie defensive lineman at, at any position to have that sort of developed hand technique, because a lot of the time you got the, the 20 hour rule, which of course nobody follows guys come into the league from college they're used to being able to just hey i can get around this guy right parsons is much more elevated than that so that's something to watch um jalen hurts and missed opportunities and kind of where that passing game is your thoughts yeah i mean look it was almost as if we like to joke sometimes that so-and-so read the tweets it was almost as if nick sirianni read the tweets because after week one it was Hertz won't throw deep. It was similar to the Mac Jones discussion. Average depth of target was like 3.4. Like he's not attacking downfield. Very first pass and play. They dial up sort of a throwback post over concept. He's got Devonta Smith open over the top for a touchdown. And he's late with it. Like he's late with it. Ball hangs. Pass broken up. He did have the 91 yarder or so to, to Quez Watkins. But then they try to get too cute. Fourth and three. They're running basically Philly special. I it was a game that of missed opportunities for Hertz. That yeah, that was a bad sequence. And I know Baldy broke that down on Monday. It 
it was a game of missed opportunities in the passing game for Hertz. And now the other question is, can he attack over the middle? Because every throw we saw last week was outside the numbers at the line of scrimmage. There's just nothing in the middle of the field, anywhere close to the middle of the field. And we all know, look, if it's, if you know going into a game as a defense, look, this guy's not going to throw here. You can start taking things away. It's the sort of corollary of uh, Rex Ryan versus Tom Brady, right? Brady wants to attack you over the middle. Rex would drop eight, you know, just obliterate the crossers and force Brady to attack him to the outside. It's kind of the inverse of that. You know, try to take that stuff away out on the outside. Make Jalen Hurts beat you over the middle. If he does, you tip your hat. Great job. Right now, I don't know if he can do that. I had someone mention to me that outside of the Colts play calling in the red zone, what Sirianni put together was maybe the second worst overall play design he saw all week. Yeah, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. And and even the first, I, I think, I understand like the Greg Ward, former quarterback, throw to your current quarterback. They tried to be way too cute with that because you've got Regor run of the crosser. Does he have the freedom to break back? like as a secondary outlet, or are you going all in on fooling them? And if you're going to do that, they had all this pre-snap motion, motion movement eye candy. Defense knows at that point something tricky is coming. Mm-hmm. Like just line up and run it. Like if you're going to do it, like think about how they did it at the Patriots in the Super Bowl. They kind of just like lined up. You had the late shift by Foles, but it wasn't like, you know, empty to condensed to motion to the, all this stuff. Is this the offensive version of what the Packers are going through this year and what the Cowboys went through last year where it's too complicated? There's too much? I mean, I think that one play was. I don't think the offense as a whole is, but it's something to watch. Yeah. I was watching uh, the 30 for 30 and the 85 Bears. uh, Just because Phil Snow's defense got me thinking about that. So I wanted to see some stuff and – Mike Singletary said when Buddy first came in in 81, his playbook was like that. And the players went to him and said, look, we can't do all of this. And, right. went, and the defense went and became what it yeah. was. Yeah. Sometimes that works. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Mike Leach has an index card. So yeah, sometimes you just run what you run. Sometimes you just run what you run. All right. Good stuff as always, man. Uh, keep it all the touchdown wire. Uh, thoughts and pros of Davis Mills. And uh yeah. We'll be talking next week. Sounds good, friends. Matt Corral video breakdown just posted, so go get it. Talk about a guy with ups and downs. Yeah. Seriously. Yep. All right. Later, man. There we go, friends. Have a good one.